Welcome to Inside Your Schools, a local podcast from, for, and within the San Luis Coastal Unified School District. Join us for a deep dive into things like innovation, artificial intelligence, empowering student voice, career technical education, school facilities, youth athletics, summer programs, and so much more. So tune in each month and learn more about how San Luis Coastal Unified School District is impacting students, staff, families, and community right here on Inside Your Schools. Well, welcome again to Inside Your Schools. I'm your host, Terry Caney, and today is podcast number two. And today is all about nutrition, child nutrition to be exact. And our guest is the Director of Food and Nutrition Services for San Luis Coastal Unified, Aaron Primer. Hi, Aaron. How's it going? It is going great. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Um, first, why don't we, I think this is going to be kind of a staple. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What drew you to this role and to this particular community? And I, I know you've been here for five plus years now. So give us a little bit about your own background. Definitely. Well, thank you so much uh, again for having me. I'm really excited to have this dialogue with you today. My name is Erin Primer. I am the Director of Food and Nutrition Services at San Luis Coastal. I've been in this role for the past seven years, and I've always been in some kind of food service. Uh, from my very first job, working as a pie specialist at Marie Callender's, uh, to working in universities and colleges. I've worked in um, hospitals, even a zoo. I've always done catering or or marketing, and really bringing a, a fun and high-level um, local vibe to whatever kind of institutional food that I've been producing. I grew up in Southern California. I lived in the Bay Area where I met my husband, and we settled on the Central Coast um, seven years ago and have had two children since. They're both now in our school district, and so it means that much more to me to be able to serve good food to all kids, and my kids especially get to be included in that. Oh, that's terrific. Well, you you had me at pie specialist, so I'll just start <laughs> there. But uh, well, first, you know what? Let's let's kind of go whole to part a little bit here. Um, start by talking about your program, and I know you have some state, national recognitions, including uh, your. I think it's called the Eat Real Silver Certification. So, give us a little background about the program that you really have sort of built from scratch. And we're going to talk about scratch. Scratch kitchens and scratch cooking, too, by the way. But tell us a little bit about the program. Well, great term and a great segue in. You know, with this background in catering and marketing, I really didn't understand why we weren't applying some of those same concepts in school. Fresh food, local food, real food, good food, food that you and I want to eat. Those are the same kinds of things that kids want to eat. So it really started with an investment in our customer base, in our, in our students. It also is partnering with local farms and food businesses. Everywhere I've ever worked, I've always had um, relationships with local growers local ranchers, local providers. And it was that same interest in coming down here to the Central Coast that really drew me to expanding our farm to school program and really what that could look like. Um, but it really has been an expansion. When we started seven years ago, we were buying local kiwi from Napomo, and we didn't really have a lot of marketing around that. There wasn't as much connectivity or awareness. And over the last seven years, we've really invested in that value of local. We're a federally and state-funded program 
uh, taxpayer funded. So thank you to everyone for supporting your local school meal program. And we really want to shepherd these funds in authentic and represented ways that honor and uplift our local community. Uh, Here in San Luis Obispo County, we have the most incredible agriculture around. And why not make a more direct connection for procuring those goods and bringing them into our schools, teaching students about where those things come from, um, really offering variety and uh, choices for them to make it easy to make that healthy and delicious choice at school. No, that's terrific. Well, I'm sure that farm to school doesn't just happen, right? There's a lot of work, research, background context that goes into it. So uh, dig a little deeper into that, just uh, in in regards to how, how do these community partnerships start? I assume you have you know, some pretty good relationships with local farmers, local ranchers, things like that. And then how does the food actually get from there to where you are? Great questions. Uh, And it really is about relationships. It's about relationships and knowing uh, these partners and vendors of where our food comes from. And it's also working with community partners. Um, You mentioned one already, Eat Real. I'll speak a little bit more about our silver certification in just a moment. Uh, But we also have some really incredible partners locally, such as uh, Slow Money Slow. They've got a whole farm to school program where we have someone here locally that is making those connections and contacting local farmers and also contacting local food service directors so that we know what's in season, what's available, who do we purchase that from. So it's really been incredible to see the investment locally, not only with these incredible producers, but with the people who support our local food system. Um, Supporters like the Slow Food Bank and uh, the Slow Food System Coalition. These are really incredible partner organizations that want to see the same work flourish. So it, it does make it easier to do when we've got so many proponents wanting to see this kind of change happen. And then other organizations such as the Center for Eco-Literacy or Eat Real, really have helped us identify what are our values around food? What kind of terminology do we want to use? How do we want to talk about these things? What are standards in school food? And what really speaks to our community? So we did partner with Eat Real. Uh, We've been on this journey for uh, a little over a year now. Um, We were ranked silver in a very uh, detailed set of standards. Um, And we were the first district in California to achieve that status, only the second in the nation. And we're, we're quite proud of that. The things that we've done to achieve that certification are lowering sugar in our school meal program. Uh, While the federal government has a lot of nutrient requirements and regulations, specifically around fat, calories, even sodium, there's not a lot around sugar. So to know that our school district is taking a far more proactive stance, uh, we say that it is 12 grams of added sugar per two-ounce grain serving, which is really not a lot. When we look at uh, what's in a lot of our breakfast entrees or pastries, a lot of things that are available on the market, even for schools that have to be whole grain or lower sugar, may not meet this stricter standard. So again, we've looked to our local businesses for partnership and exploration. We have recently um, started a relationship with Brown Butter Cookie Company, an incredible local bakery, and they are making a reformulated school food breakfast item. It looks like a cookie, but we're calling it a soft-baked breakfast biscuit 
because it is whole grain, it is low sugar, it meets these standards, and there's sprinkles, so it's a lot of fun, and kids are really excited about it. But this is the kind of innovation that we have to take on as we um, move forward in not just better food for kids, but you know, food that has to that may not exist on the market. So really trying to create things um, by partnering with local vendors has allowed us to um, create more relationships. And today we have over 30 local farms and food businesses that we're supporting through our, our school meal program. Wonderful. Wow. Well, it's interesting how because you really do have to market this to kids, right? Because in my experience, 30 years plus working with schools, um, part of the challenge has always been with all of these state and federal guidelines and regulations that you have to meet. How do you how do you get food items to the point to where kids will eat them? Right? I mean, right. The, the good good. How do how do you get nutritious meals, but also good tasting meals to kids? And then how do you market it to kids so that they want to actually eat what you have in front of them? Exactly. We we have this saying that it's not nutrition until they eat it. And I think that's a really important piece because we can design the most nutritionally adequate, perfect meal on paper. But you're exactly right. If kids aren't willing to put it in their mouth and eat it, it's not actually going to do the job that we've intended for it. So I do think a lot of this goes back to some of the themes we've talked about already. Farm to school, bringing in fresh, local, delicious produce. I'm going to grab a little prop here, and I know our audience can't see everything. Thing. But I've brought in today um, just a selection of local produce that we had come in today and is being sent out to schools. What I have here are things like fresh blackberries. These blackberries are some of the largest, sweetest blackberries that I've seen. Same with the strawberries. They're so juicy and red and big and sweet. Um, we had some grapes come in from a local vendor. These are the largest grapes I've seen and the craziest thing is that they're so sweet and delicious. This grape grower um, grows in the valley. Fun fact, I can't procure table grapes in Slow County because we use Mm. all of our grapes for wine. Um, So we go a little Mm. bit further for the grapes. But this farmer is grafting different types and varieties of grapes. So we'll get things in like a cotton candy grape or a lollipop grape or a pineapple grape. And that's been really fun. And the other fun thing I have here are these tomatoes. We had a post on our social media account at SLCUSD Food about these incredible cherry tomatoes. It is tomato season and the color and bounty and variety of these tomatoes. These happen to be from Windrose Farm in North County, but they are so sweet that we tell students they taste just like candy. And while they might realize that we have a little bit of a different interpretation of that word, I think they'll realize just how sweet and delicious they are. I know my daughter just loves when she picks a fresh cherry tomato off of the tree, off of the vine. They never make it in my house uh, because she enjoys them so much just right from the source. And I think that's what's really fun for kids is when they get to experience something new, a different color, or something picked at the peak of the season where it just tastes so incredible. It makes it easy to be able to make that healthy choice. So for us, we want to offer a variety of fruits and vegetables, uh, plant-forward options for students, and dishes with a with a flavor or a taste-forward label. So really how we talk about things moves us into that marketing piece of the mm-hmm. question. Thai basil lentil burger, uh, wow. black bean chimichurri bowl. This is how we talk about food. 
food. When you and I go out to a restaurant, we're not ordering a meat meat alternate. You know, we're we're ordering based on flavor and you know exciting things, seasonal options. I'm always looking at specials when I go out, and I'm saying, you know. What's in season and what are you excited to make? And I think yep. that excitement makes kids excited. So it also is an investment in staff when we, you know, treat staff as culinary professionals and we give them knife skills training and we teach them about making scratch food. This mm-hmm. is how we're moving the needle in school food. This is how we're bringing the farm to the school and really educating students that, you know, not only does it taste good with your palate, but look at the impact that um, what's on your plate can can really have. Yeah, that's terrific. I um, <clears throat> obviously not the mystery meat uh, that <laughs> I had when I was in school. So um, th- th- that's just incredible the way you 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 procure procure and um, you have these relationships with local farmers and you know and for some students I'm sure it it might only be it it might be the one nutritious meal that they get during the day right so um, it makes it even that much more important I get it for sure Um, do you serve breakfast as well we do I was going to tell you it's two free meals now a day Uh, the state of California has made an incredible investment in school meals not only with universal free meals, which has been launched in the governor's budget, but also with additional funding. Uh, The state has provided KIT funding, which is kitchen infrastructure and training funding. Um, That has gone to districts to improve our facilities, provide staff training. Uh, There's also been incredible investments in farm to school, as well as procuring local food. So I am just um, so proud to be a Californian and to be able to operate this type of program in the state uh, in a public school district. I'm quite proud of. I think it's a pretty exceptional program. And we're really open to sharing with others. We want to see nationwide universal free meals. We want to see more school districts procuring locally and making foods in-house from scratch. And sharing with each other, I think, is a really important piece to that. Unlike a restaurant where we might be competing for customers, uh, I've yet to hear of a student who's moved schools just because the food's better. It'd be a great compliment, um, (laughs) but that's not quite how school food works. So really sharing with our neighbors. We're part of a local school uh, food purchasing co-op sharing recipes, sharing ideas. This is really what I think elevates school food and will make it better for all kids um, across the state and nation. So I I know that, um, well, and this was sort of one of the results and one of the benefits, I think, of, of going through three years of COVID um, was this universal meal program that we're seeing in California, hopefully expanding throughout the United States. COVID itself was I mean, arguably the biggest lift that any of us have had to deal with in schools, um, at least during my lifetime. But food services in particular, I mean, talk a little bit about what how you had to pivot during that time and the immense amount of work that went into not only feeding students, but feeding families, right? Definitely. It gives me chills just thinking about that mm-hmm. time. Uh, I remember it so clearly in shutting down school and we all thought... <clears throat> How do we feed kids if they're not here? Um, And that was such a profound statement back in March of 2020. Uh, flash forward to today, and man, we we almost laugh at, oh gosh, we can do anything now. And so I, I do think COVID presented a number of challenges, but the greatest thing that it offered to school food was one, finally being seen, 
parents and parents especially were seeing school food in ways that they may have mm-hmm. never experienced before uh, by going to our weekly drive-throughs and seeing the type of foods that we were procuring. I think that really um, brought trust back into school meals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing it did was it showed school food service departments that we can make changes. We can make them quickly. We can adapt. We can yep. be resilient. Um, and that's really helped us figure out kind of who we were. Before the pandemic, we were doing a little bit of this local purchasing. Uh, We had made a few splashes and we're really trying to promote local farms and food businesses. And when um, when the pandemic shut everything down, I remember speaking with colleagues. And at the time, many thought, um, well, we can't do that. We can't do farm to school. It's too hard. There's too many things going on. Um, That's an extra. And our district felt differently. We really felt that, you know, if if we feel like farm to school values and real food and local food and, real, you know, fresh food, if these are values of our district and values of our meal program, mm-hmm. if we don't lean into them right now, these places may not exist when we get to the other side of this. So we made very conscientious decisions to um, serve uh, weekly meal kits. Uh, it was also the time, remember, when grocery stores were um, out of things. You couldn't buy milk one week and eggs the next. So it was really important yep. to us to provide not just itemized meals, a, a burrito or a sandwich, but to give families a loaf of local bread, a block of local cheese, eggs, produce, milk. Um, our milk vendor, we switched from getting eight ounce cartons to gallons and half gallons. Um, the amount of community spirit and camaraderie that our our entire community of not just our, our local supporters, but our school food community and our, our larger communities really supported school meals. Uh, it was mm-hmm. incredible. And so I really think that that time as difficult and painful and hey, shout out to the incredible food service departments who showed up. You know, that was really the the difficult piece was, you know, we were asking, we were telling students to stay home and teachers to, to teach online, but school food showed up. School food came to work and put these things together um, for months. And it was incredible to see just the, the team spirit come alive. And I, I just have to take a moment to shout out our incredible team. Um, one of the beautiful things by leaning into these values and um, knowing that we want to invest in our people, that they mm-hmm. are so worth it and matter so much to the success, is we were able to go from a team of about 20 pre-pandemic And today we are a team of 40. And it's not just adding positions, it's investing in people. Uh, Before we had four and six hour positions, an eight hour position was was fairly hard to, to come by. And today it's the exact opposite. We have mostly eight-hour positions, full-time, benefited, um, people with retirement plans. They're going to get there faster now because of this investment in who they are as culinary professionals. But that didn't happen uh, until we made this investment in scratch Mm -hmm. cooking. Um, You need bodies to do that. You need hands to do that. Um, We're really moving away from this automated, quick, heat and serve, fast and easy. We want things to be of quality, and that may take more time. And so really investing in staff has been a a very positive outcome of the growth of our department as we've invested in in these school food values. 
That's terrific. Well, and you also need quality facilities, right? And, um, and which is which is also an investment, an investment that the community has made through a couple local bond measures. Um, so talk a little bit about how facilities have changed and facilities matter. Tell us why they matter and particularly in, in, in your district and, and how it's kind of contributed to the expansion of the program. Most definitely. So we had um, the incredible support of Measure D, which really was intended to um, redesign our comprehensive high schools, both Slow High and Morro Bay High. And part of that was the school cafeteria and kitchen facilities. Mm -hmm. So when I first started about seven years ago, we were in that very early initial uh, design and planning phase. We talked about what we wanted and what it might look like. And really, the things we talked about were much more collegiate level, collegiate like, um, you know, a Cal Poly dining experience where students were in a warm and welcoming facility, uh, beautiful stainless steel equipment, you know, nice lighting, attractive wall decor, seating options, and of course, delicious, fresh, scratch made, incredible food that they get to eat in that environment. That was really the feel that we had talked about. Uh, I am very excited to tell you that today we have opened both Morro Bay High School and San Luis Obispo High School. And I think anyone who walks in there would say that they feel those same types of, of feelings that we had initially designed and uh, wanted to, to have a, um, students walking away from really feeling like they had a space that they were proud of, that it really mattered for them to be there, um, that they were really an integral part of their school meal program. I mean, they really are our customer and we yeah. wouldn't be here without them. So it was very important to intentionally design spaces that made them feel important and valued. You hear me say this word so often that, you know, we have these values in our program and we want to value those customers that we have. That really speaks to to what we're about. And even in these facility designs, not only having good value economically, but having value for the quality of space. We're very lucky to have an incredible uh, director of buildings, grounds, and transportations. Uh, and Chris Bonin has been an integral part of, of seeing through not only Measure D, but now we are very lucky to have another Measure C, another community-supported bond project, where we'll be able to bring these same feels to our middle and high schools, or I'm sorry, to our middle and elementary schools. Um, so to really know that all of our schools, K-12, will be receiving some kind of facility upgrade in the next several years um, is pretty exciting. And it it really keeps us on our toes because we get to continue to uh, reinvent and create recipes and processes and facilities uh, and just programs in general that students will be able to benefit from, not just currently, but for many, many years to come. That's wonderful. Well, um, that flew by, I have to say. Um, but, you know, we do have a couple minutes left. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about the um, uh, because I know you obviously adore your staff. You've expanded your staff, but staff development is also a, a critical piece to ensuring that, you know, the, everyone's on the right page and the same page. So um, I think you took a little trip recently, didn't you, in August, where um, your staff was able to participate in a pretty well-known culinary academy? 
It is, and I'm so excited to share this. This is one of those hidden gems that uh, we'll use in those, like, did you know questions. Like, did you know someone in this room attended the Culinary Institute of America? Uh, And in this moment, it's me. That seems kind of crazy, Um, but it's our entire team. We invited to go to the incredible Culinary Institute of America. We went to Copia, which is up in in Napa. Uh, We took our team for a two-day hands-on, exceptional culinary training in their Heston kitchens, where we used the the top-of-the-line equipment. We had exceptional trainers. We learned things like knife skills, mise en place. We did baking. We tested some plant-forward recipes. Um, And it was a time where we just got to really build our, our team up, talk about the importance of school food and the future that we see. We had some community partners uh, attend and share their feedback with our team. Uh, Both Eat Real and the Center for Eco-Literacy joined us. And this was something that was supported through those kit funds that I had mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, the kitchen infrastructure and training funds Mm -hmm. that the state provided. And with this investment, not only were we able to show our team what's possible by investing in their skills as culinary professionals, We also invited some of our friends from Sacramento. Uh, Kim Frenzel, the state child nutrition director, got to see these kit funds in action. Senator Nancy Skinner stopped by, who's been an incredible proponent of farm-to-school programming, universal free meals, and, of course, these these kit funds. And the first partner, Jennifer Siebel Newsom, also joined us to see these kit funds in action. So not only was it an incredible day of investment in our staff, but it was a great way for us to showcase to lawmakers uh, and people who are making these decisions around school food what is possible with an investment from the mm-hmm. state like this. And what can we as, as school professionals do um, mm-hmm. to really better prepare our teams to handle what our students want, which is freshly prepared, scratch-made school meals that look and taste delicious and are equally nutritious. That's great. And it looks like you have a little piece in front of you that also showcases your program. What's that? What's that about? I do. We have recently started a district magazine, and it is in English and Spanish side by side. Um, it is something that we're sharing online, so families can access this through our weekly communications. Dr. Prater sends out, uh, and our school sites are sending out, as well as on our website. We call it Gusto. Um, Gusto really translates to um, doing something with zest. And that really represents our department. So we want families to know all about what we're doing, but we also want to provide recipes that they can make at home. We've even included some fun family things like dinner conversation starters, uh, and then also highlighting some of those incredible local farms and food businesses that we buy from. We want families to know that supporting their local farmer's market is a great way to ensure that these farms um, are around for many, many years to come, and their students also get to experience uh, in their lunchroom. That's great. That's great. And they can just go to the website to uh, to view the magazine, right? So Aaron Primer, thank you so much for the gusto that you bring to uh, to child nutrition and to ensuring that that all kids have access to healthy meals every day. Um, and thanks for your contribution to the community. 
Thank Thanks for so joining much. us today. And before we sign off, a special thank you to the San Luis Obispo County Office of Education, County Superintendent Dr. Brescia, and members of the production crew for helping to make this podcast possible. Thanks to Hugo and Michael and Jenny. And then, of course, thanks to Mandy Dawson, Executive Assistant with SLCUSD, for all of her hard work behind the scenes. Thank you, Mandy. And thank you all for joining us on Inside Your Schools. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.